millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm looking at um, American air doctrine during the 1930s and the development of four-engine bombers, particularly the B-17A Flying Fortress. Um, And the reason why I want to look at this is because during the 1930s there was a growing awareness that the next war would be fought from the air uh, and that uh, already Nazi Germany and fascist Italy were, and uh, Imperial Japan were all experimenting with uh, aircraft and uh, trying to explore how aircraft could be used to change um, events on the ground, to change realities on, on the ground, um, and how they could be used to support ground troops, and particularly how they could be used as weapons of terror. Interestingly... Britain and America come to the aviation game in the 1930s slightly later, and yet ultimately the outcome of um, the uh, Anglo-American developments in air power are arguably far more significant because of the development of British and American four-engine bombers. Um, And the thinking and the arguments and the politics behind it, I think, are the interesting bit. Um, Today I'm looking at Richard Overy's The Bombing War, which is probably the best single volume I've ever read uh, on um, the uh, politics, economics and uh, military history of aviation during the Second World War. So the um, start point for this was the fact that uh, some American aviators had actually witnessed um, large-scale bombing before. Uh, And they had witnessed London uh, in 1917 and 1918 being bombed by German four-engine Gotha bombers um, during uh, a number of uh, major air attacks uh, described by some as the, the first blitz. Uh, there had been obviously uh, American servicemen in Great Britain uh, during the war um, and during the last two years of the war anyway. And they had seen um, how actually successful um, the German air raids uh, had been and how close to actually devastating London uh, they had been. Um, in the early 1920s, um, in the head of the then air service, 
Major General Mason Patrick, um, advocated that, and I quote, decisive blows from the air on rear areas might end future conflicts. So this was the first um, major kind of advocacy of civilian bombing, um, of bombing um, military and economic infrastructure in order to break the ability of the army to replenish itself, to supply itself uh, on the battlefield. And this becomes, during the uh, Second World War, the key part of uh, American strategy, American bombing strategy over Europe. As with uh, Great Britain, in America there was um, a degree of inter-service rivalry. The idea that wars could be won uh, by air forces uh, a long way from the battlefield, bombing the interior of an enemy country, made um, heads of the, the army, heads of the US army, feel alarmed that they were perhaps eventually going to be sidelined for resources or made redundant altogether. Um, the other great advocate was General Billy Mitchell, who obviously was a, a, a huge and significant figure uh, in the air war over Europe uh, during the Second World War. Uh, Mitchell um, was a huge um, and outspoken advocate of air power as the new way of war. Um, the, the the future of warfare um, and he argued that um, attacks on transportation and industrial centres using high explosive uh, incendiary and even gas bombs could um, mean the, the difference between victory and defeat um, and he came up with this notion of vital centres. Uh, what he was really talking about there was infrastructure as opposed to um, mass civilian killing, um, though unfortunately during the war um, the, the, the two are synonymous with, with one another. Um, and again, there was this sense of inter-service inter, inter anxiety that the, Air Force, the Army and the Navy might possibly be made redundant by the Air Force. Um, Mitchell was actually court-martialed in 1925 for making outspoken demands um, uh, for an Air Force that was independent of the Army. The Air Force only really becomes independent of the Army during the war uh, itself. In 1935... Um, the General Headquarters uh, Air Force uh, appointed uh, as its commander Major General Frank Andrews. And he also supported the idea of uh, bombing vital centres, uh, nodes of uh, economic infrastructure and activity, um, uh, with oil refineries, power plants, um, utilities and centres of population. Um, and this would be the uh, most effective way to use uh, bomber squadrons. And even though this was by no means Air Force kind of orthodoxy, during the 1930s it begins to be taught at um, various uh, Air Corps tactical schools and uh, young officers um, who would form the nucleus of the uh, Air Force during the war became uh, convinced of it as an orthodoxy. 
Um, and these were uh, men who, by uh, 1941, had risen to um, senior leadership roles. One lecture in 1935 to uh, Air Force officers uh, read, Civilization has rendered the economic and social life of a nation increasingly vulnerable to attack. Sound strategy requires that the main blow be struck where the enemy is weakest. Uh, and the will of the enemy population, uh, it was it was theorised, could be broken by assaulting the social body. Um, the social body was a, a terminology for that web of um, modern modern urban life, uh, of uh, transport, supplies, amenities, uh, facilities, um, the uh, the infrastructure that um, was uh, part of kind of civilian life uh, during wartime, but uh, during um, uh, peacetime, but could also be co-opted um, by uh, the military during war. In order to, to demonstrate this, it was a, a kind of a, a speculative uh, wargaming uh, operation happened in April 1939 uh, on the city of New York um, and the surround, its surrounding area. Uh, and it was theorised that only two squadrons of bombers could destroy the um, electricity uh, power generating system for the entire city uh, and paralyse it uh, within a, a matter of hours. The Air Corps um, tended to operate in, in something of a vacuum during the 1930s uh, as there was no official air doctrine, no big plan um, that would result in it being equipped in a particular way and deployed in a particular way. Um, and there was also no idea of there being a strategic, uh, no model of, an, of a, a strategic offensive. Um, that aircraft, in short, the US Army wasn't quite sure exactly what to do with aircraft to maximise their uh, efficacy. In 1933, the Air Corps was allowed to uh, explore uh, the development of the four-engine bomber um, and ensure that um, this was really to make sure that uh, more than anything else that military uh, aviation technology continued um, apace with civilian uh, aviation and also um, continued uh, apace with the rest of the world. Um, theorists of the arms industry uh, will often argue that one of the reasons for allowing such a huge amount of public money to pour into the arms industry is to allow constant innovation in research and development. If there are arms contracts, people will build new and more advanced kinds of arms, uh, and therefore one's arms industry will not be idling just at the wrong moment. Um, so the development of this four-engine bomber was won by the Boeing Company, which in 1935 produced a prototype called the XB-17, and this was the forerunner to the B-17A Flying Fortress. It had a range of 1,800 miles and carried 4,000 pounds of bombs. Um, the army um, had approved it only, ironically, as a defensive aircraft. However, it seemed to have almost no defensive role whatsoever. So it was a kind of an anomaly, um, something of a white elephant. It was designed to protect... Um, the long routes to Panama, Alaska and Hawaii. So this was perhaps uh, thought out as an anti-shipping uh, aircraft uh, designed to protect American naval convoys. 
But uh, things begin to change. Uh, in 1936, the production order was cancelled altogether. However, 1936 is a very interesting year in terms of aviation, or 35-36. Not only had um, the use of aviation against civilians been witnessed in Abyssinia, but far more significantly in 36, it was witnessed uh, in Spain. Um, the uh, relay flights of the German Air Force from Morocco to Spain, uh, shipping uh, Franco's um, Army of Africa over to Spain uh, in order to do it, 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 its bloody work across the country. And also uh, the use of frontline support uh, operations, the use of strategic battlefield bombing using medium bombers, um, Heinekels uh, and um, Stuka dive bombers um, had immensely um, uh, stunned uh, foreign onlookers um, they saw them as being efficient, um, easy to operate, and most of all, cheap. Um, the development of the B-17, therefore, uh, begins to um, pick up a pace. Um, the, all of a sudden, um, it is uncancelled uh, and becomes uh, part of a, a, a new uh, project that Roosevelt took a great adventure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But I just want to pause here for a moment and consider the directions that uh, the Axis, the future Axis powers and the future Allies were both going in. German aircraft were battlefield support weapons. They were uh, about the um, theory of blitzkrieg, of uh, deep operations, as the, the, the Soviets originally came up with the idea. Smaller, lighter bombers would punch a hole uh, along with um, armoured columns through the front lines of an opposing army or, to, uh, or create um, uh, attacks along the flank in order to see encirclement happen. Uh, but they were not really designed for uh, mass city bombing. The bombers that attacked Britain in 1940 during the Blitz 
compared to British four-engine bombers are relatively small, compared to American four-engine bombers are, are relatively small. Um, they are uh, far more suited to um, rapid-moving um, wars of movement on the battlefield than to the, sl the steady, slow, attritional warfare of mass city bombing. And gradually, as uh, air doctrines in Britain and America emerged, fundamentally different from those of the Germans uh, and uh, other Axis powers, the ways in which both sides fought the Second World War would change and develop uh, and become fundamentally different. And if one looks at the scale of devastation from mass city bombing by the end of the Second World War, the uh, conclusion uh, might be that uh, four-engine bombing uh, of civilian areas in uh, over-occupied Europe was of a far greater magnitude than that which the Axis powers were able to achieve. In late 1938... Uh, Franklin Roosevelt ordered a large-scale expansion in uh, American military spending, um, and this included a massive commitment to the expansion of the Air Force. Um, this was either to um, create an Air Force so huge, uh, Roosevelt was thinking of uh, 20,000 aircraft in the event, uh, about 15 times as many aircraft are produced uh, in America during the war, but he was thinking of creating a vast air force, and a vast air army, that could be either flown by American pilots in order to protect America, or could be simply gifted to Britain and France, and would be such an overwhelming threat to Hitler that it would eventually lead to Hitler abandoning his plans for European domination. Um, the Air Board in March 1939, supported the idea of a heavy bomber. And the B-17, that was uh, on the drawing board at the time, from one single development model, became overnight the heart of the American air strategy. The uh, plans were developed to build 498 by 1941, and 1,520 by the end of 1942. The first commitment of any air force to the employment of a heavy four-engine bomber in the event, by late 1942, um, uh, vastly more aircraft were built than that. Um, the Consolidated Air Company uh, was um, given the job of building the B-17. And uh, instead, it actually designed its own bomber, um, the B-24 or the Liberator, um, which was eventually sent to uh, equip Britain. Uh, in uh, 1941, Britain obviously had uh, more than its fair share of its own models of four-engine bombers, but the Liberator had uh, an enormous payload of £8,000, twice the amount of bombs that could be carried by either the B-17A or Britain's own Lancaster. David Reynolds, in his book The Long Shadow, which uh, is an excellent kind of uh, political, social, cultural history of the uh, consequences of the First World War. Um, he writes about Roosevelt um, here. American fear of war was intense yet abstract. 3,000 miles from Europe, there was no equivalent to the British panic about bombing. But Franklin Roosevelt was ahead of his countrymen in thinking about the implications of air warfare. 
During October 1938, he mulled over the lessons of the Czech crisis, absorbing reports from his ambassadors in Europe. This helped the president understand the gut-wrenching fear of mass airborne destruction that had gripped Paris and London during the crisis, helping them redress the air balance in the, um, in the long-term interests of American security became his preoccupation during the winter of 1938-39. He told his military advisers that the recruitance of German power at Munich had completely reoriented our own international relations and that America must therefore immediately create a huge air force so that we do not need to have a huge army to follow that air force. He considered that sending an army abroad was undesirable and politically out of the question. So uh, Roosevelt saw um, rearmament, particularly aircraft rearmament, as a form of diplomatic leverage. When I write to foreign countries, I must have something to back up my words, he wrote. Had we this summer 5,000 planes with the capacity immediately to produce 10,000 per year, even though I might have had to ask Congress for the authority to sell or lend them to countries in Europe, Hitler would not have dared to take the stand he did. Um, so Roosevelt's ideas about uh, air rearmament were similar to those of the British. Um, the British also thought that uh, air force would be an alternative to sending a large army to Europe again. And sending a large army to Europe was politically unacceptable uh, in the aftermath of the First World War and the horrors and sacrifices uh, of the war. Um, obviously, Roosevelt um, believed that um, Hitler was uh, unhinged and unbalanced. He referred to him as a nut. Uh, and that uh, Germany, Italy and Japan were developing a wider policy of world domination, a, a, a network uh, between them, um, which would later be the Axis, um, the Axis power. Um, that as a result of this, um, America must become the first line of defence for democratic uh, values around the world um, and that the continued existence of Britain and France was of vital strategic security to America. So the way in which the problem could be solved was through air technology, it was through um, mass production. Um, keeping Britain and France afloat would ensure uh, America's security, but if you could do that without sending a mass army to Europe, that would be great. And aircraft, particularly four-engine bombers, would be ideal. But even by 1939, even when the production of B-17s goes into uh, full swing, there is still no officially agreed-upon doctrine about what to do with them. Roosevelt was particularly anxious about the possibility of a victorious Hitler establishing uh, air bases in um, a, a kind of an, a Nazi sympathetic uh, South America, uh, Argentina, uh, Brazil, Colombia, and Venezuela, and other countries um, would have an, a very short fly time towards the southern United States, and that um, America. Um, had been really compromised by the existence of aviation and that keeping peace and keeping America safe in an aviation age meant keeping Europe safe in that time. And in this, we can see one of the key motivations 
for Roosevelt um, being keen to establish the Lend-Lease um, uh, Agreement with Great Britain um, and particularly the, the possibility of preventing um, the establishment of German air bases in the American Hemisphere. Just as the British had realised that air power had kind of negated the English Channel, the um, American government had really begun to uh, realise that air power was about to negate the uh, splendid isolation they had been afforded by the Pacific and the Atlantic Oceans. Air policy for both the British and the Americans, as we'll uh, eventually uh, discover, was fundamentally changed by the crisis of 1940. The fact that um, the German army raced across Western Europe in a matter of weeks, that the British Expeditionary Force were uh, forced um, back from Dunkirk uh, across the Channel, and the fact that um, France had fallen and was no longer a, um, a, a major combative power for most of the war meant that the entire fighting of the war, the entire war strategy, needed to be fundamentally rethought. Initially, it was generally believed that the, uh, a large French army and a small British one would fight in Europe with a large British navy fighting on the seas, uh, all of it being uh, resupplied by uh, a large American arsenal. Uh, and the fall of France fundamentally changes all of that, and it fundamentally has to rethink, uh, has to change how air operations are fought and why they're fought. And it's from this, from having to rethink the war from scratch and figure out what to do, that um, strategic bombing uh, emerges and the need to gradually erode the capacity of the enemy uh, in order to uh, prepare eventually for a cross-channel invasion. So when, in the absence of an official air doctrine before the war begins, uh, one emerges gradually piecemeal as a result of the crises uh, of the war uh, until eventually a, an air doctrine uh, emerges uh, particularly an American air doctrine that seems to have an overall strategic purpose. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. All the best. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.